This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hey guys, and welcome to the wrap-up. If you haven't been here before, this is the official Raptors Republic live post-game show where you recap, dissect, and have some fun talking about the latest Raptors game. We'd also like to welcome in the Raptors Reaction podcast listeners to this one as well. I'm your co-host, Sahal Abdi, and tonight, as always, we have my great co-hoster with me, my therapy partner, my Raptors therapy partner, Oren Weisfeld. Oren, tonight, the Raptors were defeated by the Los Angeles Lakers 110-101. to that drops Toronto now to an ugly 19 and 31 record. This game, I don't know, Oren, if it was the toughest Raptors game to watch, but just only because the Raptors have had many games where they've been down 15 to 25 points the entire game with no chance of coming back. <clears throat> I mean, it's sad enough to say that if you watch the entire game and you didn't leave at halftime or at the end of the third quarter, like I'm sure most people did. It's very sad that, you know, the Raptors' best run came in the last minute of the game with Nick Nurse. Um, what did he do? He challenged a call, a referee's call, <clears throat> seconds left in the game with the Raptors down 10. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> did you hear what I said? No, sorry. Oh, you were completely zoned out. I, no, I don't I, even blame you. I don't even blame you at all. No, I was listening, but the last thing an I audio heard. issue, but <laughs> I think I was because the last thing I heard was you said, "Yeah, he he called the the challenge." Yeah, I was I was trying to I was trying to give you that leeway in because you talked oh. about the net rating earlier before we started. Recording. Oh, my bad, dude. You know it's late. The way it's you late. looked We've at me, man, had, I was like, "Damn, this guy tough. really just zoned out." I thought you froze, but yeah, I mean, first wow. of all. It's too late for me to make the joke. I was going to say Nick Nurse was trying to keep the Raptors net rating um, <laughs> high. But, yeah, I, I really – wait for that, Orin. You're I'm ruined I'm not it. a comedian, as we know. I'm not a stand-up comedian. But, um, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, the weird thing is I'm looking at the box score here, and Pascal Siakam played 41 minutes Yeah, on a back-to-back. So, Nick really was not – fudging around tonight man he he just wanted to drive that net rating up he'll he'll uh he'll forever be known as the coach with the worst record with the best net rating so you know that's something something to go down as for sure but yeah this one sucked Warren, for me because I, I genuinely thought that the raptors would you know coming into this game that they would i don't know if i thought that they would win the game but i thought they'd at least be competitive um and the lakers just beat the absolute dog s word out of them today yeah. so um for me it, it was kind of like a game where um i saw the raptors last game gary Trent jr you know buzzer beater against the wizards the vibes were good um the game before that was the warriors 50 point just absolute beatdown um on friday night so i was just you know naturally come on raptors fans had to come into this game with great vibes um you're facing the los angeles lakers uh 
the LA Lakers did not have LeBron in this game. They did not have um, Anthony Davis in this game. So unfortunately enough for Toronto, they still managed to find a way to not only lose to the Los Angeles Lakers, but to get um, destroyed, um, to put it quite honestly. The three-pointer, uh, three-point attempts is what stuck out for me today. The Lakers shot seven more three-point attempts than the Raptors. They made 18 of 40. That's 45%. And the Raptors were an abysmal or in five for 33 from three-point land. That's yeah. 15% from the field. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that jumped out to me too, looking at the box score. And I think today was a good example of a night where the box score doesn't tell the whole story. Like three-point variance doesn't tell the whole story. Um, the game yeah. was not as close as it looks. Like really the Raptors were really bad defensively, leading to a ton of open looks for the Lakers. Like, I would argue that the Lakers' three-point looks in general were much better than the Raptors' three-point looks. Yeah, Um, And, yeah, like, I kind of felt coming into this game that, like, I was skeptical. I said last night, like, we'll start talking about a play-in run once they win on the second night of a back-to-back. It still has only happened once, I believe, all season. I think they're 1-10 now on the second night of a back-to-back. So it really shows the lack of depth on this team. And, you know, Siakam... You know, definitely far from a perfect game, but 41 minutes, 15 free throw attempts, 27 points, plus five. He had a pretty, like, he tried his best to carry a team without OG Ananobi, Fred, or Kyle. But obviously there was not enough help from the bench uh, or or the rest of the starters to, to carry them out. And this has been the problem all season. Um, they don't have the depth and they don't have the star power. Um when especially on the second night of back-to-backs when they just look fatigued and unfortunately for the Raptors it's going to be a lot more back-to-backs for the rest of the season the second half of the schedule is really compact and like yeah if you get to the playoffs you don't have to deal with this stuff but it's hard to see them really making a great push when this is the result every time they play a little fatigued yeah it's very unfortunate I I wrote you know at one point um, down that why is Stanley Johnson, you know, getting so many minutes in this game? And then it quickly occurred to me that OG Ananobi was the recipient of a uh, technical two foul or a flagrant two, whatever you want. Oh to yeah, call. so I'm going to show that. We should talk about that. Yeah, right that. that was yeah. probably the most interesting game. It was the interesting point of the game for us, at least watching OG. Oh, Ananobi that was the best part of the game. game. Yeah, but really the WWE style uh, takedown. Um, that he took that when he took down uh, Dennis Schroeder, I believe it was. Um, I called it a sidewalk slam. If you're a WWE fan, I called it a sidewalk slam. Um, you could have called it a UFC style takedown. It was hilarious. And and when you watch it and you understand the type of guy and player OG Ananobi is, it immediately occurs to you that OG didn't really do this on purpose. As weird as the play looked, like it it was a play where. You know, Dennis, I think, was on the verge of falling. and Or, or no, sorry, OG's driving in. Dennis grabs him um, pretty aggressively. But, I mean, it is what it is if he didn't want him to score. Um, and Dennis eventually just fell to the ground because OG grabs him by his leg. I don't, I don't, I still don't know what OG was trying to do um, in this one. Um, it doesn't make much sense to me, but 
Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to pull it up. Um, yeah, we got it coming up in just a second for our live listeners. I got it right here, actually. I'll pull it up for you, Oren. Perfect. Yeah, my computer is not, not the is. fastest. But so yeah. Like, <laughs> so my favorite theory that I saw on Twitter is that OG thought he had Schroeder's arm mm-hmm. here, and he tried to just look at off his arm. <laughs> but uh it really was weird watching because you know watching og he doesn't really do stuff like that so either it was just a very uncharacteristic like takedown or it was an accident but it's so hard to think it's an accident unless he just had a complete brain fart and just like yeah um yeah it's like the ejection I was yeah. going to say, well, if you're watching that play, like as a non-Raptor fan, maybe even non-Laker fan, you're probably like, what the hell is OG doing? Because yeah. it's like, it's a takedown, but then it's like, it's like, what? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, OG has him wrapped around his leg, and then he, like, takes him down, but then he tries to lightly, like, put him on. There's so many layers to this to this clip, and I'm sorry for the Raptors' reaction, listeners. Again, this is a live show, so, we're, so we'll be playing this. You'll see this on YouTube if you do rewatch this, but... Um, all of our live watchers are watching this, and I don't know. I don't know what this play was. Dennis was pissed off. Gary Trent Jr. gets in the middle of it. Of course, Montrez Harrell comes absolutely out of nowhere and just starts shoving everyone. He got ejected in this game as well. Yeah. Um, Dennis so, was rightfully pissed off, but yeah. I mean, I think that refs overreacted heavily. I think OG definitely deserved attack, but okay, like I could understand um, throwing OG. I really think throwing Harrell is like. A little, a little much. If I was a Lakers fan, I would be upset about that because he just tried to like back up his boy. He didn't really yeah. do anything crazy, and he got ejected. Like it was crazy. Okay, I mean, yeah, they should have both got taxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say definitely, Harold. You can't come in like that and not get a tech ejection no, for, for OG. Sure, like sure. Like I'm not going to be a homer and say like. I mean, if, if think about it honestly, mm-hmm. if that were you know a Laker player doing that to to Malachi Flynn or to Kyle or whoever it is, that's an ejection. Like it's a takedown, whether OG meant it or not. Um, you could see OG immediately like, holy no. Yeah, he's like, sorry. I think I think he's he was like, just I'm so like, sorry. Bad. Dennis is pissed. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., my man. You know, guy's been here for a week and he is the first one, first line of defense there. Throws Dennis out the way. Um, and Harold's just like, what the hell's going on? Shoves Gary and OG at the same time. He's still pissed off, goes after Gary. Gary's not having it. Yeah. Unfortunately enough, Raptors fans, this was probably this was probably the best or at least most entertaining moment of the game, as sad as that sounds. Um, watching this uh, you know, semi-sidewalk slam for all the WWE fans out there. For all the Conor McGregor fans out there, it was a little leg takedown, whatever you want to call it. Unfortunate game for Toronto. It feels like they just didn't have any juice. Um, you showed a comment earlier, or maybe I think it was this one. It was the first live comment we got, uh, where Phoenix Plays E says, Respectable loss. We brought a 34-point lead down to nine. I like Siakam getting aggressive in the second half, drawing a bunch of fouls, resulting in him having 27 points at the end. I'm assuming he meant it's a process as another sentence, but yeah, um, yeah, I was, I, I, I liked it. I liked, you know, the effort, I guess you could say at the end of the game, I liked Siakam, you know, getting to the line that many times he was 13 for 15 from the free throw line. So he made the most of it and he got there. 
Um, he was a plus five in a game where there weren't many pluses on Toronto. Stanley Johnson minus nine, Aaron Baines minus nine. Ananobi only played 10 minutes. He was a minus 13. Benbury minus 15. Oh, my goodness. Gary Trent was a minus 17. So, I mean, you can't really ask for more from Siakam. I, I genuinely was expecting him to struggle this game simply because all the Lakers really had to do was just lock into him and have the rest of the Raptors beat them. And the Raptors don't really have a team that can consistently do that. We saw Malachi Flynn have a big game um, yesterday against Washington. This game, he looked a lot more like a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with his with his turnovers, he looked like he wasn't really sure when to shoot the ball. Um, did rebound well, eight rebounds for him, but just a just a difficult game to watch. Um, as a Raptors fan, nobody really shot the ball well. Gary Trent Jr. in a game where you probably need Gary Trent Jr. to have a big game. He didn't really shoot the ball well as well. Um, yeah, I think like we we saw today what Marcus All does for a team, just having like a rim protector there. The Raptors couldn't get to the rim, especially early. They were just pulling up in the mid range. I think like five of the first six shots, and that's just not a healthy diet. Whereas the Lakers were really punishing the Raptors' lack of a yeah. rim protector, getting into the paint forcing rotations, forcing the whole defense to collapse and then kicking it up to three. And obviously they shot like unreasonably well from three, 45%. That's not going to happen every game, but at the same time as a good shooting team, getting good looks, you know, that's just, that's really like the importance of a rim protector is so important is it can't be understated. And then the other thing was once Harold was ejected, the Raptors had to win the non Gasol minutes because the Lakers have no centers other than that, right? It was just like they have Harrell, Gasol, and Drummond. Yeah. And without Drummond or or Harrell in the game, it was like, okay, when when they went small, I think they had basically Markeith Morris at the five. That's when the Raptors had to punish them. And they didn't. They lost those minutes too in the first half at least. So that was really the story of the game to me. Um, that first half, you they lost it right there. Yeah, like you said, Lakers were red hot from three. They were 10 for 14 at one point in the game. 10 uh, for 14 from three. Not from the field, because that's really good from the field. 10 for 14 from three. Um, And then it was just catch up at that point for Toronto. They just they couldn't catch up. And every single time it looked like they were making a run, there would be a defensive lapse or, you know, there would be a – really bad turnover for Toronto. It just – it was a game that was – one of the more difficult ones, Oren, to watch. Yeah, it was a the Lakers' nine made three-pointers in the first yeah. quarter was a season high for a quarter this season. And um, the Raptors, they've basically allowed the same percentage of opponent threes, like the percentage of opponent shots from three, 44% last year, 43.9% this year. But last year, teams hit 37% from three. This year, teams are hitting... Um, sorry, this year, teams are hitting 37%. Last year, it was 33 So it's a really big difference. And obviously, I think part of that goes back to just not being able to play this style as well, where you're collapsing into the plane and then closing out and, and you just not having the athletic players to do it, not having the rim protector to trust back there. Um, yeah, and tonight was a good example of a team just punishing them from three, which we've seen all season. We've seen it literally all season. It feels like, I tweeted this a few weeks ago, where it literally feels like every team shoots 
40 plus percent, if not 50 plus percent on Toronto from three. And, and I don't know. I checked, you know, their stat, their team stat, you know, defending the three. And I believe they were 17th in the league, something around there. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, it's unfortunate. I feel like their their system, you know, relies on switching so much, especially at the top that, you know, and, and so much help defense that, you know, Oren, when you rely on help defense that much, there's going to be guys open. Um, even for a split second, we know the NBA has the best shooters in the world. So um, guys like Taylor Horton Tucker are going to let it rain on you. Unfortunately, in a game like this, I think for this game, I don't know how many consecutive games it's been for Toronto, but they were out rebounded again, this time by only seven. Um, at one point, the Lakers had double the amount of rebounds um, that the Raptors had. It would have been much worse if Montrez Harrell was in the game. They had 49 total rebounds. The Raptors had 42. Um, much more assists coming from the Lakers, shooting a better percentage. Um, Raptors only had 11 points, and they forced 22 Lakers turnovers. So, again, that's been the story all season of them forcing a bunch of turnovers and not making the most of it. Yeah, they had nothing in transition tonight. And I think all season on the, on, on the second night of back-to-backs, their fatigue really shows in transition where they just don't they don't they don't run and yeah. uh if the raptors don't run and they're, they're planning on winning in the half court it's really hard for them especially when they're missing key players yeah i mean omar has a good comment here the defense does look very confusing at times it's very easy it feels like to get the raptors defense to just out of sorts and even with it's confusing too because they're switching so much so theoretically, they should be able to keep guys in front of them if they're switching and not have to exactly. collapse. But it's it's a lot of help, like extra help, I think, sometimes when it's unnecessary. Like OG and Anobi, all the time, people step in and help him when he doesn't need help. But it happens with other players, too, where the, the help comes when it's not necessary. And then it's like swing, swing, open three. Um and and the Raptors got away with this style last year because, you know, the top seven in their rotation, all really smart defensive players with length, athleticism, know how, knew how to collapse and then find find whoever was open on the perimeter. And this season you're playing guys like Utah and Stanley Johnson, Malachi Flynn, just new guys who don't have much experience in the system. And um, that's that's, I think, why it looks so easy to score on them. Even yeah. though those guys are good one-on-one defenders, they aren't as high IQ in terms of reading the floor uh, on this the defensive end. This summary of the entire night, Oren. This clip we're watching right here. Oh, man. Malachi gets the screen from Siakam. And that's another thing. I'm going to pause it there because I think Siakam should have been should have been used so much more as a roller in this game. I felt like we were, we were relying on Aaron Baines at the top of the key a lot in the, in the minutes that he played. Um and also Chris Boucher, I just don't understand why you wouldn't use Siakam as a roller as much as possible in a game that doesn't include a Montrez Harrell, that had Gasol playing well. Yes, absolutely. But there was a lot of minutes where um, Gasol wasn't on the court. Um, and you mentioned how the Raptors needed to win their non-Gasol minutes, and they didn't. There was a guy named Devontae Kate Koch. I hope I said his name right. Yeah, um, Kate Koch, I think. Kate but... Koch. And, and for me, it's he doesn't. Like that's a borderline. With all due respect, that's a borderline NBA player. Never heard of him in my life. I've never and I watch heard of a lot him NBA a lot. Ever. Yeah. So, and that's not disrespect. Like that we're not trying to be disrespectful. It's just 
when a player like that is in the game that's, you know, at the end of the rotation for the for the LA Lakers, Toronto needs to take advantage. And for some reason, Toronto somehow made that guy look like a very good rotational player. Um, he had a big dunk. He had a very good, you know, defensive stand a couple times against Chris Boucher. So, you know, this play was it. You have Siakam as a roller. Bembry gets it, loses it on the catch, dives on it, shows a great <laughs> effort play, and then just... And then you just I'm just gonna roll it back here. So here's the thing. Like, who is who so Siakam comes to the screen? So the problem is, like, I agree. I think Siakam in general should be the roller more, but there's no spacing. So when Siakam rolls, especially if Boucher is on the floor, it yeah. makes more sense for Boucher to be the screener because Siakam spaces the floor better. That is like, true. None of them are the really too, or and you got Stanley Johnson in the corner. He can't really Embry. Yeah, Embry in that corner, and then you have, I believe, that's Utah Watanabe at the top of the of of, of the screen right there in the corner. So yeah. it's like you don't have shooters anywhere except for maybe Malachi. Siakam, Literally two shooters. Yeah, and and actually out of this whole five sim, no one is shooting well right now. Exactly. So the Lakers are smart to stay low, and and like Siakam has has no room to roll. Um, and I think they had some success. The Flynn, the Flynn Boucher pick and roll is picking up steam. I think those guys are developing a nice chemistry together. But yeah, it makes more sense to put Boucher in that um, because Siakam can at least space the floor. Whereas if you reverse the roles, they're just gonna, you know, sag on Boucher and then cut off the roll if Siakam's the roller. Whereas Siakam, they still respect it, even though he's not shooting well. Exactly. They still respect the shot. And that's a problem, Oren. With this bench, you know, you get rid of a Matt Thomas, you get rid of a Terrence Davis, who, you know, as bad as those guys were, you know, as awful as they were defensively, with all due respect yeah. to the former Raptors, they were they could shoot when they were open. And yeah. you get rid of those two guys, and now you have, you know, Kyle out, Fred out, OG Ananobi ejected. So now you have you have to play guys like Stanley Johnson 26 minutes. You have to play guys like Watanabe. 20 minutes so it's like and those guys aren't shooters so when you play those guys together it puts so much stress on guys like Flynn and Siakam um and it just makes it look like there's absolutely no spacing on the court Bembry tried a couple of wide open threes this game he missed them um he had some really great takes to the rim but there's just there's just not enough shooters I didn't even mention Rodney Hood is out as well yeah, no, I'm looking at the box score and like this is the night for all the people who have been criticizing Nick Nurse's rotation decisions. He played everyone available tonight, you yeah. know, nine guys, but OG left 10 minutes in. So really eight guys. No one else was healthy. So he played all eight. And like that's this is just what it is. You have Bembry, Watsonabe, Watson and Baines who cannot shoot at all. And then you have Boucher and Flynn who are struggling to shoot. So the fact that Toronto is even has a respectable offense this season is actually kind of surprising given it's how bad crazy. their bench has been. It's crazy. And Siakam, don't get us wrong. Yeah, and Siakam we're not, we're not excluding either. him. He's he's been struggling all season with the three. I, I I love like I say I say this on every you know live show that I love listening to to other broadcasts because it kind of just gives you that different perspective of how opposing teams and their broadcasters view Toronto Raptor players. And what I heard from Wizards broadcasters in the last game was the fact that Wizards are continuously going to go under the screens versus Siakam at the top of the key. And for me, I was kind of thinking, like, that's a pretty good shot. 
And then I quickly realized that Siakam's shooting only 30%. I'm sure after this game, it might be 29, 28% from three this season. So that is not yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, I give credit to Siakam because I remember at the beginning of this season on one of these shows, I said something like, he needs to figure out how to score when the three is not going down. Yeah. And he has. Like, 15 three free throw attempts. Like, obviously, that's an outlier number, but... These last, this last like stretch for him has been the most free throw attempts of his career. He's gone to the line like ten times on average in the last six games, so he's doing a really good job of of kind of figuring out other ways to score. But like obviously, it'd be really nice if the three point shot came back. Yeah, and again, I mentioned you know um, the three point shooting probably being the biggest problem for Toronto. It was it was bad. It was to the point for me, or when I was where I was watching the game, thinking that every single time the Raptors had an open three, they weren't going to make it. Like I was already, it was a write off for me. Yeah, it was um, terrible. Fifteen percent as a team is disgraceful. It's it's fifteen percent unbelievable as an NBA team. Like thirty percent, I think is bad enough. You know, twenty five, thirty percent, but shooting fifteen percent from three is is absolutely it's insane to me. Um, we did see a couple of good baskets from a guy that I said probably should have had a better game in this one, uh, Gary Trent Jr., who for me, it's been really encouraging Oren to watch his um, isolation game kind of grow. Um, I like the confidence he's been showing, you know, the last few games, or really since he's put on a Toronto Raptors jersey. This one, this play stuck out to me against Alex Caruso, who's a pretty good on-ball defender, where he just takes him one-on-one. That was uh, similar to the game winner he hit last it, night. It was a little push-off behind the back. And that's just not enough of a push-off that refs are ever going to no, call. No, not a bad push-off. Right? That's, that's something that Kyrie and, and James Harden do all the time, that, that Jason Tatum does, that he mastered. Um, and yeah, again, he's, also, he's probably one of the best perimeter defenders on the Lakers, and yeah. he gets cooked here. Yeah, yeah, he's really comfortable, Trent, in the mid-range. And obviously from behind the arc, I mean – his shot in general is very encouraging from a Raptor standpoint. Still want to see him get to the rim and finish at the rim more, but yeah. that's more of a next season thing where you can only really judge next season to see if, okay, have they been able to develop him and teach him things um, to to do that a little bit better. But as of this season, as long as he's shooting the ball this well and and kind of not making defensive mistakes, you're happy. Yeah, I'm super happy. And again, Gary Trent Jr. is a guy who's always going to look to shoot first. Um, he's not like Norm where it's um, – Norm kind of expanded his game where you could expect anything. You could expect three. You could expect him to stop and hit a mid-range or just attack the rim. Gary Trent Jr. doesn't look as confident, I want to say, taking it to the rim, which is, again, okay. He's 22 years old, spent some time in the G League early in his career. He's still not a confident uh, – an ultra-confident NBA player like I think Norman Powell kind of reached yeah. um, this season. But that's okay. Like, that's one thing that just comes, I think, with confidence, you know, developing a bag, so to speak, once you, you know, attack the rim. But as long as he can take advantage of, of things like this, where guys close out super, super hard on him, like, this was his take, right? He's looking at the ref, like, why didn't you call that? Immediately sets back up for three. Pump fakes, I think that's Wesley Matthews, who just goes absolutely flying at him um, and takes advantage of the mid range shot. So, for yeah, me, I mean, he has two out of three things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Teams have to fly at him out there because he's such to. a good three-point shooter. And so he can obviously – that's pretty reliable to step into the mid-range and score. But some nights you're just like 
since he became a Raptor, he's scored really effectively in the mid range, but we know it's not a very efficient shot. And some nights it's not going to go down. And that's when he's the type of player who I mentioned Siakam. He's the type of player where if his shot is not going down, he doesn't get to the rim and he doesn't get to the free throw line. So those are the things he's going to have to learn to do. But obviously he's super young and, and just got into the system. Um, let's do some tank top. Have you been watching any prospects? And if you have, let's assume Mobley and Kate are off the board. Who's your dream prospect after those two for the Raptors? Ooh, um, there's three guys that I love in this draft, obviously, other than the two guys you named, and that's uh, Jonathan Kuminga, uh, Jalen Green. And Jalen Suggs, I believe his name is. Yeah, there's so many Jalen's. It might there's only there's only two. Oh, there's there Jalen Springer, or that's Jaden yeah, Springer. Oh, Jaden okay. Springer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love those three. Um, in terms of what we need, the Raptors need obviously a five. But other than that, they need shooting. They need some scoring help, um, yeah. at least off the bench. And and you'd figure that you know whatever rookie they draft, whether it's the seventh overall pick or the second overall pick. Um, that he's going to be coming off the bench. So I would love to see Jalen Green. I mean, I was watching him on the G League Ignite, and that guy, I genuinely think he's 19 years old. I think Jalen Green could have been in the NBA this year and has NBA-level scoring traits already. Like, he could have been a pretty good NBA player this year. And I know that's crazy to say, but, I mean, I genuinely believe it. He was playing a lot of guys in that G League that, you know, are in and out of the NBA. Yeah. And he looked I like think he, he averaged, I think he averaged 20 in the G League, and that's a professional league. So, and that's insane. I love Kuminga. He looked really good on the G League Ignite as well. So, for me, it's like those two guys would be absolutely fine. Jalen Suggs, do, do you really need, I mean, if, if Lowry leaves, maybe um, you're looking at, you know, another point guard or another combo type guard, you know, to pair with Fred Van Fleet and Malachi Flynn and whoever else. They bring, if they bring back um, DeAndre Bembry, I don't know if he's on a two-year contract or a one-year contract. I think one. So if they bring if they bring him back, but I'm a, I'm a Jalen Green guy. I love mm. his game. He is just an effortless scorer, and I think Toronto could do some really good things with him. And, and I think it's kind of unfair because I, f- I feel like a lot of people have been throwing the Cade talk around so much that if we don't get Cade or Mobley, people are going to be – kind of bummed out until they realize, I think, how good some of the other guys are. Um, the draft guys, I know Robel, um, who's a big Raptors draft guy, has been talking about um, those top-tier prospects for quite a while. Um, yeah, and Robel, I was listening to him on the Locked On podcast. He was also yeah. saying he likes Jaden Springer and uh, someone else from Tennessee, I think. But, but from what I understand about the draft is, like, once you get past those top five, and Rebel thinks it's really a top three, and then and then like four to like twelve are are there's a lot of really good prospects. So to me, this feels like most likely the Raptors are not going to get a top three pick, and they're going to be more like in that four to ten range. And like yeah. I think this feels very much like a Raptors trade back kind of thing, where they see like two two picks in like the you know eight to fifteen range. Um, so what I'm about to say probably won't matter, but yeah, Green. I've been watching a bit of film. I genuinely think he could like one day be the best player of the bunch. Yeah. Cause his upside is crazy as a scorer. Like the athleticism, 
the the shooting his upside is crazy as a scorer but but he's like so young and so raw the dribbling's really raw the passing's really raw the defense is really raw so i don't think he makes much sense for the raptors who want to contend pretty soon uh yeah assuming lowry leaves mike i would i would go suggs because I think he fits nicely beside Fred. He he can get to the rim, which Fred can't. Like, yeah, it's kind of a short backcourt, but you know, Fred's a lethal shooter and and Suggs can get to the rim, kind of score at all three levels, play really good defense, and he can guard up a position, so it wouldn't really be a issue if Fred's guarding uh point guards. And I just like Suggs, like he reads the game at a very high level. Yes. He's a high IQ player. He would fit right into the Raptors system. Uh, plays fast like like Gonzaga played really fast and he led that charge and the Raptors love to play fast so I, I like Suggs after those top two Kaminga just like doesn't make sense for me because he's really not really a shooter and he plays the same position as Siakam so he's like a Stanley Johnson we don't need any more players who who like come off the bench and can't shoot and are athletic big men so um yeah that's fair that's fair to say about Kaminga but I mean Stanley Johnson's not it for me. So, oh man, Kuminga, I don't need to watch any more Stanley Johnson. If Kuminga's, yeah, if Kuminga's coming off the bench for me, um, instead yeah. of Stanley Johnson and maybe instead of a Utah, I don't know if Utah's going to be here next year. I'm totally okay with that. Um, I think length and versatility, as much as the Raptors do need shooting, um, length and versatility is something that any team like you can't really have too much. Yeah, length and versatility defensively, it would be crazy the three of them together. Kuminga can guard two to four with yeah. like ease. Um, he's super athletic. He has a really good wingspan. I believe it's like seven feet, something around there. Um, he's, I think, I could see the Siakam in him, but I think he's a little better of an athlete than Siakam is um, from what I've seen. Um, really good in transition, good in the half court. So I'm okay with Kuminga. Um, I know a lot of people have watched the Raptors this season and they just immediately think big, big, big. Like if it's not Mobley, it has to be, you know, another big. Yeah. Um, I'm against drafting a big. And I don't, yeah. I mean, James Wiseman, I think the Warriors made a huge mistake. (laughs) Like NBA podcasts. I don't know how many you listen to, but like, man, I've first of all, be original. Like everyone is talking about the Warriors now because one podcast does it. Now everyone's like, Oh my God, we got to talk about the Warriors, how bad they've been. It's like, Okay, man, be original. But like, yeah, Wiseman has been such a bad situation for them. And he's so raw. And he obviously doesn't fit Steph's timeline. But like, you knew he was raw. So why did you draft him? I, mm-hmm. I'm. It's just a confusing pick. Centers take a really long time to develop. That's so what I was gonna say. Yeah. I'd definitely not take a center. And then I would, I would sign a free agent center because, yeah. Yeah, that's fair to say. Me, me and a, a friend of mine, we always have this argument where – um, we talk about if Wiseman was right for the Warriors. And he was, you know, he was agreeing with you where he said Wiseman wasn't. And I just feel like for me, that's the part I think that makes the most sense to me. Wiseman doesn't fit Stephen Curry's timeline. So why would you go there? They had such a need at the five. Kevon Looney, I mean, he's yeah. a solid backup five for them, but he's not really all that. But I still do think Wiseman's going to be a very good player in the league. It's just going to take longer. He barely played in college. Yeah. Super raw coming into the league. Literally, this guy's a teenager, man, coming into the league facing grown men. So um, I think it's just going to take some time. It would have been nicer to see Wiseman grow with like a Minnesota Timberwolves, for example, um, where they could take it easy with him. I just think the game's moving too fast with him with veterans like Draymond and 
Steph. I mean, it's great to play with Draymond. Probably one of the better defensive players you want to learn from. Um, but, I mean, oof, the Warriors take, you know, a LaMelo or whoever else. That's insane. Um, yeah, I think, like, teams are learning. Like, I think the Warriors drafted in in the mindset that they can have the best of both worlds. Like, Wiseman will be a long-term piece who will be their next part of the, the future. But he'll also help this core win. And I think teams are learning that, like, doing that is really hard you you can to balance winning and competing with also thinking about your future is almost impossible like philly's trying to do it right now without doing the kyle lowry trade and i've been harping on them for the same thing as as the warriors like pick a route and stick to it either rebuild and like go young and 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 try to stay young and good or like when you have a window, if you have Steph Curry or Joel Embiid playing at an MVP level, go for it. But staying in between is the worst thing you can do. I really think they're going to trade Wiseman this offseason and that pick and, and get a player. We'll see. we'll see. Yeah. Damn, yeah. It's it's difficult. And and this isn't necessarily a – I think we can both agree, Orrin, this isn't necessarily a Wiseman issue. It's more of a Warriors selection issue. Um, the Warriors look primed to be – and this is, again, I don't remember – what the timeline was of, of Wiseman being drafted and Clay Thompson being injured. Um, but regardless, even without Clay Thompson, the Warriors figured to be a playoff team this year. And I believe right now they're currently just outside the playoff race. Um, I know yeah. they're, I think they're one in seven without Stephen Curry playing. He had that tail tailbone injury, but yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't think, I don't think it's a Wiseman issue. It's more of a thing issue. It's more of a uh, golden state warriors issue. Top five pick, man. With the way the Raptors are playing this year, I really, really hope it's possible. Like, is there? It's possible just because the condensed schedule. I think in any other year it would be impossible. Like the team is not that bad, but they're gonna keep playing these back to backs. They have like five games in seven days um, after not including those two or including those two. So I think we got a day off tomorrow and then another back to back Thursday, Friday. I believe so the Raptors like hopefully no more COVID protocols, but even without that, just all these back-to-backs are really, they're going to be tough to win. Um, Yeah. So it's possible. Oh man, Oren, this one was a tough one. Thank you guys for staying with us for this. uh, Another group therapy session, guys, this won't be the last one. Um, Toronto at least looks like they're going to lose a lot more games this year. I'm sorry that, uh, you know, break, break everyone's bubble, burst everyone's bubble, or however you say it. Um, Toronto does not look like a good basketball team right now. Uh, Kyle Lowry is out. Fred Van Vliet is out. And OG, OG and Anobi is out. Yeah, for, uh, OG might miss a game. A flip. Yeah, he might miss a game. Great form, though, for OG. You know, they teach you in martial arts. If you have that leg, you got to sweep it. And he really, <laughs> he did well there. He did really good there. We're going to end it off there, Oren. <laughs> Um, I think we've suffered for long enough. Um, thank you again to the Raptors Reaction Podcast listeners to this one. Um, this was the wrap-up. Again, if you haven't been here before, the Raptors Republic live post-game show. We want to thank our sponsor, Arv Qureshi from Remax, for supporting the show. Before everyone leaves us tonight, we need you to like. We need you to comment. We need you to subscribe to the Raptors Republic channel. Turn on the post notifications. We post almost every day, if not multiple times a day. Um, tons of content on that channel. If you love basketball and just watching film and all that stuff, um, Zarrar, um, who leads our Raptors Republic group, 
does a great job with film breakdown. So watch that as well. But yeah, guys, this was the wrap up again here with Oren Weisfeld. My name is Sahal Abdi. The Raptors were defeated by the Los Angeles Lakers 110 to 101, dropping Toronto to 19 and 31. We'll see you guys, I believe, two days from now on Thursday. And I believe, Oren, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the Chicago Bulls who the Raptors Mm -hmm. struggled against last time. Hopefully they have some better basketball um, for us to watch on Thursday night. Take care, guys. Have a good one.